Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Hard Foul Radio. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Today's episode is really just stuff that I missed last week. Um, and with that, I have two guests who are joining me on the show today. Both Dom and Tony join me today. Also might join me later in the week as well as Will. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, and then they're ending today's show. I'm ending every show this week with something I learned this decade. The decade's about to close. I don't know how recording's going to go. Honestly, you guys, the last two weeks of the year, it's a lot of family stuff, a lot of holiday stuff. So I don't know how recording's going to look. I don't want to say that I'll be here and then not. Um, I've done that a lot, and I don't want to keep doing that. So please stay with me. Um, 2020 is going to be a great year, you guys. With that being said, let's jump into it. All right, so something about sports is a lot of fans, and fans, y'all, my topic today for something I learned in the 2000s, or the 2010s, a lot of fans don't, it's hard for us to understand what an outlier is in the moment, right? Like, Lamar Jackson right now is probably having an outlier season. I don't think he's going to run for a 1,000 yards every year and lead the league in touchdowns. I didn't play MVP level every single year. I just don't. That's not a knock on him. That's just no quarterback or player has ever done that, besides maybe Jim Brown, Walter Payton, and Barry Sanders, where you play at that high of a level every single week for an entire season. One of the things that's hard to understand is, okay, how great is it, and what is going to be the drop-off, right? People forget Cam Newton played at almost this high a level, or arguably this high of a level, when he won the MVP in 2015. And when he won, he had a 35-touchdown season, 10 rushing touchdowns. He was great. Cam was, Cam was awesome. Cam was on fire. And we all thought, oh, this is the new Cam Newton. It's hard for us to tell in that moment is that an outlier? Is that what he's going to be? What is like what is Cam's ceiling per se? During the 2000s, we saw one of the greatest outliers probably in sports history and we just didn't recognize it. Peyton Manning has lied to every single NFL fan forever. Like he he is the number one liar of all time. What do I mean by that? Peyton Manning lied to us so well that we thought a quarterback by himself could be offensive coordinator, basically, make all the audibles and change the line of scrimmage, play at an MVP level every single year, carry a franchise that was depleted at different times at offensive line, uh, defense was always, maybe besides two or three years, always a struggle. And I mean, just consistently pick that franchise up to 11, 12 wins a year. And because we saw Manning do it, and the Colts outside of the Patriots were the second most successful team in the NFL during that run, we thought, oh, that's what that's what a franchise quarterback is, right? Like, Peyton was the standard of franchise quarterback. And that's just wrong. And I like Peyton a lot. I love Peyton. Obviously, Peyton was a Bronco for a couple years. Um, and Peyton was great. And Peyton was able to help some of our deficiencies. But that's not how a quarterback is supposed to be. 
And if you look at the teams now, no one really has that quarterback. Let's look at starting with the MVP level quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has a all-pro left tackle, a Pro Bowl across the board offensive line. And that's not saying they're all going to make the Pro Bowl. They're just playing at an, a Pro Bowl level as an offensive line as a unit. He has tight ends and receivers who are probably playing a little above their head. He's got a defense that is um, top five in sacks, great at pressuring, and now is even a top five secondary at the addition of Marcus Peters. He has a complete team. The Ravens, what makes them so scary is they have the MVP of the league and they have a complete team. Lamar Jackson's not trying to be Peyton Manning and carry every single thing by himself, not trying to do every single audible, not trying to make sure every single pass is perfect, not trying to make sure you know everything is going right. He's not running the franchise the way Peyton Manning did or the way that we think a franchise quarterback should. Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's picked up a lot of slack this year with Seattle. But let's look at Russell Wilson's career. Russell Wilson's career got off to such a great start. Why? Because he had a great team around him. The Legion of Boom. Um, at one point, he did have an offensive line. He came into the league with a couple good receivers, a Golden Tate, um, a Tyler Lockett, guys that could make plays for him. And now even this year, they brought Seattle was like, okay, Russell's helping us. Russell's carrying us right now. What do we need to help him out? Let's get Jadavion Clowney. Let's get Josh Gordon. Let's try to make some pieces, mix and match here so Russell doesn't have to do everything. The 49ers. These, let's, look at some, sorry, let's look at some of the best teams. The 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo. He's playing really good. He's not carrying that team. You could make an argument the defensive line, the defensive front is the best part about the 49ers. Drew Brees with the Saints. Oh, look, Drew Brees has Drew Brees the last couple years with a running game has had not a resurgence in his statistical prowess, but a resurgence in his winning, a resurgence in how good the franchise is doing. Oh, look, he has a complete team. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have, to have one of the best seasons they've had in years. Why? Aaron's been able to take a step back. He hasn't had to be throw for 400 yards a game and look perfect and make these three or four crazy plays. The idea that we will ever see another Peyton Manning just, I mean, one uh, just carry a franchise. Like, I mean, put them on his shoulders and just keep marching forward to the end. That's just not realistic, guys. It just doesn't happen. And even to his credit, as great as Peyton was, Peyton couldn't win that way consistently. Regular season games, yeah, fine. But we always talked about when he gets to the playoffs, Peyton Manning was considered a was considered a choke artist. He couldn't do that in the playoffs because in the playoffs you're generally going to see the better teams, not just the better quarterbacks. If it was solely up to just how good your quarterback was, then Carson Palmer would have a way better not Carson Palmer, but the Bengals would have a way better record than they did with Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and the Bengals were not consistently good during his tenure. You need the defensive line of San Francisco, the offensive line of Baltimore, the overall depth of a New Orleans. Look at even the Panthers. When the Panthers were on their run this season, had nothing to do with their quarterback. Had nothing to do with their quarterback. Christian McCaffrey was playing out of his mind, and still is, and the defense is playing good. And now, 
once that starts to teeter off a little bit, Kyle Allen's not saving you. Carolina's problem was never a Cam problem. Was Cam inconsistent at times? Sure. But it wasn't. If you're inconsistent and you go 5-0, and well, then you're Kyle Allen and you're the next holder of the franchise. But when you go 5-0 and or when you go 0-5, even if you have great numbers, uh, what's wrong with you? Why are you not, you know, not quite doing it? The greatest quarterback of all time is Tom Brady. We're across the board. We all agree on that. It's one of the few things in sports we can actually agree on. Tom Brady has always, his philosophy has been, I'm going to take less money so my team could be better. Anybody ever take a hint from that? I'm going to take less money so my team can be better. I'm going to win more. I'm going to have more success. I'm not going to worry about being on my ass tw- 10 to 15 times a game because offensive line is not good. Um, not that this year is a great example, but I'm not going to have to worry about, oh my gosh, am I throwing to you know six, seventh round draft picks and guys off the streets. I'm not going to have to worry about, oh my gosh, I have to score 40 points a game because my defense is terrible this year. No, the Patriots just roll out and crank out pretty much the same team every single year. This is one of those years where, and I'll get to this tomorrow, um, the teams that we jumped the gun on, um, I'll explain that more tomorrow. It's going to be a really fun segment. The The Patriots crank out the same team every single year. They're good here. 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 They're like, cool, we got our units. We're all good. All right, let's go. And they beat teams because they don't have a glaring weakness, and they pick on other teams' glaring weakness. Peyton Manning lied to everybody, guys. I hate to say it. He's great at commercials, but he lied to us. There is no, I can do it all, put the franchise on my shoulders quarterback. Speaking of those quarterbacks, and there's going to be people who are going to, teams that are going to draft who they think can be that quarterback the next couple years. Let's look at the college football playoffs. So, and I'm not a big college football guy. I watch casually at best. Um, I do watch the playoff games, some of the bigger bowl games and stuff like that. But as far as a Saturday to Saturday, I am not a... I'm not an avid watcher, and I don't sit down for four or five hours and watch all the games. I just don't do it. And so, with that, I've got probably limited takes, but I do research my stuff. So let's not get confused here. There's one team in this college playoff that I think is scary. Now, obviously, LSU is great. Joe Burrow's got the Heisman. Um... Tony's going to be on later to discuss this, even though that was pre-recorded, so some of this stuff will sound, um, the date will be wrong. But uh, Joe Burrows won the Heisman. LSU, this is their best offense ever. LSU was a ground and pound, great defensive team forever. Now they've got a Heisman winning quarterback and a high-flying offense. Oklahoma, uh, Jalen Hurts has been great. Lincoln Riley does stuff with quarterbacks every single year. Amazing, awesome, man. But this is Clemson's, and this is Clemson's to lose, and it's Clemson's to lose because the way I just discussed how a quarterback can't do it in the NFL, a quarterback can absolutely do it in college football. Speaking of one, Cam Newton, Cam took Auburn from okay to national title in a year. He was the best player on the field, 
and in college football, it's far more of an impact than it is in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence is not only the best quarterback in the in college football. I'm sorry, not only the best quarterback in these playoffs, he's the best quarterback in college football. And it's going to translate because he's going to be the number one pick in the draft when he comes out next year. And he has a chance when he comes out next year to be a three-time national champion. Trevor Lawrence is... Or this Clemson team feels a lot like the two thousand uh, mid two thousand USC teams with Pete Carroll, where the conference was so so, but they were steamrolling everybody. But people really didn't consider the steamrolling that impressive because their strength of schedule was never an LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, or Florida. Um, but they were the best team in the conference, and they were usually held together that way by the fact of they had a top two quarterback. There's the Lionerts, the Carson Palmers, um, excuse me, pretty much everybody going, even even Mark Sanchez is great at USC, let's not forget. Um, and they would have five-star recruiting classes. The Reggie Bushes of the world, um, I remember one of the last USC teams when they had all the linebackers, Clay Matthews, Ray Maluga, um, Curtis Lofton. Like, they were just, they were always stacked with talent in five-star recruiting classes. It was USC. And Clemson gives off this vibe because of their five-star recruiting classes. They got the best quarterback in the country. They are, they feel like, even without all the dominant wins against quote-unquote superior competition, they're still steamrolling people. And because they haven't had to play the hardest schedule, I believe that helps them in this regard. Because they're going into this in games that they've steamrolled, and guys have been able to sit out late third, early fourth, all fourth quarter. Because the teams haven't been good enough to challenge them. Some of these other teams, Ohio State, LSU, and I think Ohio State might be the best team overall in the playoffs, but Ohio State, LSU, and Oklahoma, just they just don't have Trevor Lawrence, and they've had much tougher games and much tougher schedules. Now with that, I also do want to say the best player, I just don't think he'll have the impact in this, is Chase Young. And I just want to take a second here before we exit out. Ohio State has done something really impressive, which is they're going to churn out three consecutive top five draft picks at defensive end, and each one might be better than the last. I mean, when you want to talk about going from Joey Bosa to Nick Bosa to Chase Young, that is incredible, incredible coaching. That is incredible talent. That is, hey, we're going to go from a dude who wasn't all pro to another dude who's going to be possibly an all pro and rookie of the year. And then we're going to do a dude who's going to be a top five pick in the draft. And who knows how good he's going to be next year. Um, I got a lot of faith in Chase Young. Dude's amazing. Um, but the completeness of Ohio State, the offense of LSU, and the offense of Oklahoma, I don't think stands a chance against Clemson. Clemson's got as much talent as any team, and they're going to have the best signal caller in the playoffs. Um, if I was a betting man, which I am, um, and we'll get to our college football bets regarding the playoffs later, Clemson, Clemson's got this. 
Trevor Lawrence is going to be amazing. Trevor Lawrence is going to go and get his second consecutive national title, Clemson's third consecutive national title, and they are the kings of the sport, and they got a chance to four-peat next year. So after the break, like I said, these are already pre-recorded. Um, the guys helped me out a lot last week, even though I was really inconsistent. Uh, Tony will be on. Don will be on. Um, hope you guys enjoy that. This is Hard Fire Radio. Appreciate you guys for listening. Welcome back to Hard Foul. We got ourselves a special guest. Something I'm be trying to do. I've been telling you guys, trying to get more people on the show on a weekly basis. Uh, we got my man Dom, and hopefully What's going forward, Dom will give us up an introduction to yourself. What's happening, guys? You know, Dom from San Diego, big Chargers fan, big Celtics fan. So let's 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 start let's start there with the Charger fan because let's do it. We talked about doing it last week. Um, weren't able to make it work last week, but we got it this week, and oh, I'm so glad we got to do it this week. So, I have some questions as, and, I, and I'm biased, don't get me wrong here. Oh, but for sure, I am too. I'm sy- sympathetic to a degree. Uh-huh. Obviously, Denver swept the season series with the Chargers. 2-0, yep. Philip Rivers, didn't look great. Hasn't looked great all year. So, so what's, what, is, what, what should be Give your take on how the Chargers have been this season with the expectations coming into it. Obviously, they had Bosa, Ingram, uh, James, the safety. They're supposed to – the Chargers were not supposed to be this. So, give what's your reaction to how they've been so far this season? Uh, I got mixed reactions for sure. I don't want to be that typical that says the injury bug got us because, let's be honest, the injury bug gets everyone. But we did have some key injuries this season. You know, we had uh, both of our starting safeties, Derwin James and Adrian Phillips, out for basically every game but last week. Uh, our O-line has been in and out with injuries. Our linebackers have not been the healthiest. But then again, like I said, every team deals with that. So you can't really use that excuse every week. At the end of the day, I just think our quarterback is not up to par with the league anymore. And we've given him opportunities to win every week, and he just hasn't done it. So there's So that would be – and, and I agree with you, and um, Denver's had injuries, and Denver's also had – I'm, I'm becoming more of a believer that in the NFL today, you can't really blame injuries. Everyone's got them. And we also got to stop blaming yeah. the refs. Denver's got exactly. really bad calls that have, quote, unquote, decided games. At this point, if you're good enough to win, you're good enough to do it with or without the refs. Depending on how they are, it shouldn't come down to that. So I agree 100%. Going forward, is it just Philip Rivers is the problem, or does this, or do the Chargers have more problems than that? Rivers is just being the quarterback, the biggest, the, the most. I don't. Gravity yeah. Exactly. I don't think he's the only problem, but as the face of the franchise, I do think that's where the problem starts. You, I don't think you know. You look at the New England Patriots; their faces are Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. 
you, you never think about a quarterback choking in those situations when you think about those two. You never think about a, you know, a head coach putting his team in terrible situations with those two. You do think about that with the Chargers. That's pretty much all you think about with Philip Rivers. You think about how every season he's had probably five or six games that he could have won and he maybe has won one of them. And that's just the bottom line where you have to start over at the face of the franchise and from there everything else will get better. I agree. I agree. I like it. Do if you're the Chargers GM, do you draft another quarterback this year or do you try to go out and get one of the quarterbacks that could possibly be available on the market, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Positive being available? Are you going young with talented roster or do you try to plug in a guy that can play now or do you even go for both? Here's what I'm doing if I'm Tom Telesco. If I'm Tom Telesco, I'm going all in on one free agent quarterback, and that one free agent quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater. If I don't get Teddy Bridgewater, I'm going to draft a quarterback. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Tua. I don't care if I trade up and get Joe Burrow. I don't care if I trade this year's pick and start Tyrod and then wait for Trevor Lawrence next year. I'm getting a quarterback regardless. So you think there is no – there is no – there is no Phillip Rivers and the Chargers going past this season. I I don't see it. Maybe just because, like I said, he's been in the face of this franchise for so long, ever since LT left. It's just been Rivers' team. Maybe the management will see that as part of it and want to sign him again. But personally, I don't feel like that's the move. I'd rather see Tyrod Taylor play than Phillip Rivers at this point. Okay, so – Last thing on Rivers before we get on to more, um, some other matters. Do you think then if – and I'm not a big I'm not a big numbers guy shows that you're a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think there's a bunch of guys in the NFL and the NBA who are getting all-time status off their numbers, and there's a bunch of things I could point to where it shows no. The numbers just all kind of inflated across the board. Do you exactly. think Phillip Rivers is A – a Hall of Fame quarterback, and B, do you think his career has lived up to what it was supposed to? That's that's tough. I do think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I don't think he's a first, second, third. I don't think he's any of those. I think he's going to have to wait a while for himself to get in. Um, But as far as his career expectations, I mean, yes, he was a high draft pick, but people saw Phillip Rivers when he was picked as just another guy. You know, they didn't really expect him to do much anyway. Like He was kind of the last quarterback taken out of the three. That was, that was really wanted, you know. They, that people would rather have Ben Roethlisberger than Philip Rivers. But I do think he, you know, he was okay. He, he had some expectations early in his career with the stacked teams we had for him, as far as LT, Vincent Jackson, Antonio Gates, the crazy defenses. Oh, that was the best. So I think he could have been. That was. That was that was a completely different team, though. Um, even, even now, though, I still think we've had teams where if you put Aaron Rodgers in, in the Chargers situation, that team's a Super Bowl team right there, you know? Now, I 100% agree. I remember I used to be very critical of Phil Rivers early on in his career. Regardless of where the expectation was, the Chargers from about 2006 to 2008, 2009, I called them the off-the-bus team. They were the team that when they get off the bus, you see LT, Antonio Gates, Vincent Jackson, Malcolm Floyd, Sean Merriman, Marcus McNeil, uh, Sean Phillips, uh, in terms of, like, there was more guys on that team who, when you got on the bus, you're like, oh, that team's better than us. Yeah, exactly. 
And so when I, you get on the, and it's just a complete different story. Some the fact that that team only had the one real playoff moment, which ended with obviously at the with the Patriots game. I think there yep. is there is some disappointment in that. Moving on though, <clears throat> excuse me. If you so you say get a quarterback, um, if you had to trade, let's say you have to trade, you could guarantee you get Teddy Bridgewater, or if you're one of those people listening and you want Cam or whoever your quarterback is that you think is out there, would you trade right. one of the pieces? Because the Chargers still have a very good roster at its core. Bosa, Ingram, we just mentioned both safeties. Um, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, uh, Hunter Henry, would you trade someone? Or if you were to trade someone, who would you trade to ensure you got the quarterback you wanted going forward? Right. That's where that's where I draw the line. It's who I'm trading. You know, I'm not going to give up Derwin James, Joey Bosa, even Hunter Henry. You know, I'll probably give up someone like a Austin Eckler. You know, like a, even a freaking uh, what's his name, Adrian Phillips. Sorry, I, I had a little fart right there. Adrian Phillips, even a Javis Brown. Anyone. I'm not giving up a star though. It's not worth giving up one of my key stars. Because I think those guys are the building blocks of our team, those young superstars. We need them going forward. I completely agree, completely. Um, I feel that there is a lot of overreacting done in the league. I think there's a lot of teams that if they really just stick to their plan, they're one or two years away from being actual contenders. Um, oh, there's a team I really feel that way about in the NFC. I'll talk, we'll talk about that later. Um, oh, that, that's no. We we can go into that right now. Who do you who do you like in the NFC in a year or two out? I like Arizona. I really like Arizona. I really um. I like, I, I really like Arizona. I like what they're doing with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's really good. I like. <clears throat> to me, so so the the Cardinals are the kid. They're young. They got pieces. Um, Kyler Murray looks like he is going to work in the league. I think there's a difficulty with him. I think you have to be really on point with your game call, your game plan and game design because he is still 5'10". Exactly. He's he's my size at the end of the day. He's my height, just a little skinnier. Yeah, and I don't think he's Russell Wilson, so I don't think think he's going to be able to, in three years, just elevate everybody else up and you can be deficient in some areas. But I also look at a team – um, and they've got a lot of criticism this year in the LA Rams, who they went out and paid everybody, and now it's like, oh, well, now they're top heavy. The LA Rams are one good draft, which they could have this year. One good draft hit on one or two offensive linemen, and they're right back to being one of the two best teams in the NFC. And then in NFL, probably. They're Jared. To me, it's not a matter of oh, is Jared Goff progress or is Todd Gurley at there? They just don't have an offensive line. But they don't they have, have any of in a in a salary cap league. You have to make some form of sacrifice, right? And it's on a year to year basis. Um, and I think I know where they should make it. I think that wide receiver core they have a little too much going on there. Absolutely, but they could even keep for one more year. Like I said, they hit on this draft of linemen. They could keep the oh, receivers. Yeah. They get to keep Gurley. They get to keep Goss. And the salary cap is going to keep going up each year. You can only that. have four or five core key guys making a lot of money at one period making of time. Making money, basically, yeah. Yeah, and they've got Donald, Gurley, Goff, Woods. But in two years, like I said, you get yourself a couple O-line drafts. And then when it's time again in four years, Gurley's not going to need max money anymore. Donald, I, I don't want to say yes or no yet. 
The receivers most likely not. So you're gonna have Goff, and we're gonna be your two or three guys you sign around Goff. Exactly. All right, so let's go to the NBA. um, Celtics fan, uh, we got Dom here today. Thank you guys, everyone who's listening. Uh, Firefly Radio, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, know where to hear us. So, the Celtics have been, in my mind, I don't want to say a surprise. Obviously, they were good last year, but there was the there was the thought or just the question, hey. Are Tatum and Brown going to play better with Kemba than they did with Tyree? Early on, that seems to be the impression. I have Tony, who's on uh, me with No Fields meetings. He says this team just looks like it's having fun, and that's why they're playing mm-hmm. better. Do you agree? I 100% agree. I think that's a team of guys who are just hungry. They don't care about individual, you know, individual stats. They don't care about who's dropping 30. They just want to see each other do well, and they want to see each other win games. And that's what it's all about there. Absolutely. Obviously, the Hayward injury is a setback. He was playing really well before he got hurt. Uh, Kevin he had the scare in that was in Denver, I believe, uh, where he hit his head. He seems to be okay, though. If, though, you're going into it, and this is my last thing, uh, going into – we're only 20 games into the season, so I'd hate to make like, a assumption like this this early on. But presumably, it's Boston, Toronto, um, Milwaukee, and Philly's probably the dark horse team that, yes, they're talented enough to be there at the end, but there's a lot of inconsistencies going on right now. There's a lot of question marks there, yeah. If you're a – as being a Celtics fan, are you more concerned Raptors or Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, As a – Celtics fan, um, I'm going to say this is probably going to surprise you with the Raptors. Only because with them, I I mean, like, with the Sixers, I know what I'm getting. You know, I'm getting Joel Embiid down in the post. He's going to try to bully everyone else. And I'm getting Ben Simmons trying to find open shooters for three. With the Raptors, I don't know what I'm getting. I don't know if Pascal Siakam is truly this MVP-level player that we've seen so far. I don't know if Fred Van Vliet is truly a top-10 starting point guard like he's trying to show. I don't know what they got. So, you know, I, I'm kind of like, as a Celtics fan, I don't want my team going into a series against Toronto. Just all, you know, all in their head thinking it's an easy win for them to come out and beat us 4-2. Nah, I know. And something, so there is something to knowing what you're going against and then not knowing what you're going against. There's wins every night, every day, every week in sports that are similar to that. Hey, man, though, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, we definitely got to do this weekly. Of course, bro, I'm down. You want to shout out Twitter, Instagram, any shout outs, any followings you want to put out there? Uh, honestly, follow me on Instagram if you guys want. It's at Dom Nuco. Twitter is also going to be at DBC Dom. So go ahead and shoot me a follow. All right. And we will see you next week, my dude. All right. Welcome back into Hard Foul. We got a guest here today. You know him from No Feelings Meetings and Boxing with Will and Tony. Uh, we got Tony here today to help us break down some college football. How you doing? What's up, my G? All right. So, I'm not college football expert. Not hard to tell, right? When I guess, yeah, no, that's <laughs> but that, that's what we got. That's what we got people like Tony. You know, if you can't do it, you find that's someone true. who can build a stronger team. So that's why I always tell chicks I'm not changing no tires, so you can deal it with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at the four teams, and I think the one that I think is most interesting and interesting to talk to you about is Clemson, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer 
I started off today's show with two points. A, that Peyton Manning lied to us all because he made us think that a quarterback can do everything in the league and you'll be fine. And that's just not true because, A, there's not a whole lot of Peyton Mannings walking around and you need more of a team build than just a quarterback. But I followed that up with, in college football, it works. You can have an Auburn basically led by Cam Newton go from obscurity to best team in the country national championship. The best Mm -hmm. quarterback in these playoffs is – in my opinion, is Trevor Lawrence. If you want to go full package, it's funny how you said that because we and anybody listening, we have not talked about this. We have not communicated nothing, and that is my same exact feeling. Yeah, and I think even this Clemson team, why I think it's interesting to talk to you is with the bare knowledge that I have, this Clemson team feels a lot like the USC Pete Carroll teams, where conference the best. No, it's not the SEC. They don't have the strength of schedule or the Domino wins to make you feel like that's our national champion, but they're blowing out everybody in their weekly conference. They're, they're just, I mean, ragdolling teams, 20, 30 points every week. They got mm-hmm. one of the top two quarterbacks in the country. They got five-star recruiting classes. They got probably, if not the best head coach, one of the two best head coaches in college football. It just, right. it feels a lot like USC. Um, excuse me. Now those USC teams, this chance for Clemson to go back to back or better yet, let me start with this. What do you think of that comparison? Does this feel like a USC team from the early, the mid two thousands? I never thought about it like that, but that's a, that's a really good way to look at it when you um break down the conference and the dominance of the team. Um, I don't know how many you know first round picks or future NFL Pro Bowlers and things like that Clemson has currently compared to the OSC teams, but. I, I, Clemson is my pick to win the national championship, and I think that um, they're being very much overlooked because of strength of schedule. And Trevor Lawrence, for a guy who pretty much had, if not a better, just as good a season as he did last year, he's been overlooked because Joe Barrow has had an amazing season. He's going to win the Heisman. He's been great. But I would favor Clemson over everybody in the playoff. Mm. I go with the in when it comes to college sports and the NBA are to me just the two sport. Well, college football, basketball, and then NBA. You can just win just by having the best guy on the court. That's a real thing. Whereas in football and baseball, you can neutralize the best guy on the field easier than you can in those sports. Um, Oklahoma. So once again, uh, we got Tony in here from Boxing Will and Tony. Um, and no feelings meetings. I don't watch every single college football game. I don't watch probably nearly as much football, college football as you do, clearly. But I do stick around for the playoffs and the big games each year. And am I wrong to think, even with the difference in head coaches, Oklahoma always just feels like we're going to score top two, top three most points during the season, have obviously got back-to-back Heisman-winning quarterbacks, and then it just seems like they flake out when it comes time for the playoffs. I wouldn't say it's a flake out. They're just not better than the teams they play. Like you look at last year, they 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 ran into the team who they they ran into Alabama, who eventually got stomped out by Clemson. So it's just like they they are they are a really good a uh, team, but it's just tough because you you you're constantly playing teams that are just better than you. Now, in the case of Baker Mayfield's team, uh, which would now be two years ago, that Georgia team was just on a run that couldn't stop. They had Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, and it was just hard to do anything. And and that was a close game. It could have went either way. But um, and in case of Kyler Murray's team last year, 
they they just weren't they just were the not as good as Alabama. So it's it's tough to say. It's and when you got a coach like Lincoln Riley who will probably be an NFL head coach next season, possibly. Uh, no one really knows what the hell is going to happen, but they they're just playing teams they're not better than. And now they're in a situation where they got to play Joe Barrow and uh, LSU, and that's just uh, they're just running into a buzzsaw in that situation. Let's and let, let's talk about that. I know that's 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 your favorite coach going into these playoffs is Ed Orgeron and the LSU Tigers. That shit, man. <laughs> Pisses me is off. This, <laughs> and, is this and um, LSU has always been? They've always had offensive linemen. They've always had good defenses. Um, at least during like the prime years, obviously there's you know some hit and miss, but usually always good offensive linemen, always good defensive. But they've always felt like an old school football team. Mm-hmm. Is this a the best LSU offense you've ever seen? And B, are they the most complete team going into this playoff? Uh, yeah, that's definitely the best offensive LSU team I've ever seen for sure. And uh, are they the most complete? That's tough to say, but I I think that. I think that they don't have as many. I think they're the team with the least amount of flaws. That's the great way to put it. Okay, is Joe Burrow's? Is he this good? Is he college good? Is he pro good? Where, where do you? I there's a lot of people saying he's gonna be the first pick in the draft. Um, obviously, that's with I, Lawrence and Fields aren't eligible, and I think people would have them going above him. But with this year's with this year's uh, class of quarterbacks and Tua being injured. Uh, they got him number one. Is he that good? Is he worth the number one pick? Is he just a great college quarterback? What are your thoughts? No, he's he's that good. And uh, if you look at where he comes from, where he is, where he's from, he's from Ohio. He he went to Ohio State, and you know he couldn't beat out the guys in front of him who are also great quarterbacks. So he is that great. He deserved. I I I felt he was the number one pick even before Tua got hurt. So. Um, I think he, I think he's going to be really good in the NFL, uh, and yeah, he's 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 just really good, and he has it. That's another thing you see a lot of quarterbacks they they're they're talented, they play good, but Joe Barrow has it. Like you, you this is a guy you want to play with. This is a guy fans want to get behind, and it's really important. Is this the best quarterback play? Probably going so now. The system's only X amount of years old. But is this probably the best set of quarterbacks to be in the playoffs where it feels like, yeah, you might hmm. be a great team, but you may be lacking a quarterback or you have, quote-unquote, a college-only guy? Does this feel like the best set of quarterbacks to be in the playoffs? That's a good question. When, you, when I think about it, probably so. Um, we've, had, we've had years of, of good quarterback play. Obviously, you had, uh, you had Deshaun, and you, you had Deshaun on one side, and you had – yeah, when I because I really like I I would really have to look back and think about it, but this is definitely you could say it's number one for sure though. You could you could definitely say it's number one because it's 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 tough uh, when you look back on the past teams. Of course, you had Georgia and Oklahoma in that situation. You had Jake Fromm and you had Baker Mayfield. You had uh, Jalen Hurts and and Deshaun, or or Jalen Hurts and uh, Kelly Bryant. Or you had uh, Jalen Hurts to Tua to versus Jake Fromm. So I would probably say this is this is the best crop of quarterbacks that play in the playoff because you have mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, you have Joe Burrow, you have Justin Fields, and you have Jalen uh, Hurts. Yeah, it's 
I think it's the first time, um, just even casually looking at it, where it doesn't feel like there's just one guy. Like, yeah, I think Lawrence is the best of the four, but it doesn't feel definitively. It's not Cam going in there and Cam feeling like, oh, he's the best quarterback. It's not even those great Florida teams. But you got to remember, though, those weren't like the playoff era, though. Correct. But even going into like, if you want to break down um, just who are the top three, four teams going towards the end of it, it felt like, uh, as I brought up, USC, when they're making their runs, they felt like they had one of the two best quarterbacks. And it felt like there was a gap between maybe exclude 06 in that Texas game. Um, it felt like there's there's no runaway for who has the best quarterback in um, left going. Um, Ohio State is, taking away from the quarterbacks, is Chase Young the best player in these playoffs? No. <laughs> Chase Young? Oh, you said Chase Young? Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. For sure. <laughs> For sure. It's not even – I don't think that's close when you talk about best player. He's he's dominant. And you 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 wouldn't have had – you wouldn't have thought that this, a school that had Joey Bosa and a school that had Nick Bosa and they say that it's going to get better than this and then it is going to get better than this and it's going to be a lot better than this. That's what they keep turning out. Ohio State keeps turning out some of the best defensive prospects, like just year after year after year. Um, that used to be very much like an LSU thing. LSU had a run. Um, see, I'm going to make it sound like I actually know something about college football. LSU had like the Glenn Dorseys. Um, Patrick Peterson came out of LSU. Um, like, it felt like they were turning out like the best prospects. And now there's going to be three straight years, the same position Ohio State's going to turn out. Now, is Chase Young a junior or is he a senior? He's a junior, so, you know. Okay, so he is So he is eligible. He is coming out. Um, if you had to, and you, to talk about another one of your favorite teams, if you are the Cincinnati Bengals and you have the first pick in the draft, who are you taking out of this? And is it even a player that's in the playoffs? Um, I'm I'm taking Joe Barrow because you you got you got to take Joe Barrow because it's like Chase Chase Young's dominance is, is evident and that and it would it, in reality that would probably be be better to take Chase Young because you have a guy who went to Ohio State so he's already got a lot of fans there and it's going to do big business for you but I'm like I, it's just something about Joe Barrow I don't think you can pass that up especially at the most important position in the game. No, I agree. I agree. Um, last, last talk. Um, last thought. Then, Umber, before I get out of here, is do you think he's going to translate well in the NFL? Do you think he is? If the scale is Andy Dalton, and I think Andy Dalton had a good career, it just wasn't a great career. But Cincinnati, I believe, in expectations play a role. Cincinnati, you've had two good quarterbacks your entire franchise, so appreciate Andy Dalton being good and usable for a decade. Um. Using that Andy Dalton as the bar is Joe Burrow as good as Andy Dalton, better than Andy Dalton, a little worse than Andy Dalton. I think he can be uh, better than Andy Dalton. That remains to be seen because Andy Dalton was a really good quarterback in NFL. He beat a lot of good teams and he made the playoffs many different times. Um, but I do think he could Joe Burrow can be better than Andy Dalton. Like I said, I just think he has it. You watch him in these atmospheres, SEC championship game, runs through Georgia, just kills him. You watch him in Alabama, kills Alabama. You watch him against uh, just just a lot of the teams he's played, and he's he's poised, he's he's confident. 
and everyone's behind him. You're seeing it right now with Lamar. Like, if if the rest of the team is behind you, it's hard to stop that. Because even say even if the quarterback's playing at an average level, but he has mm-hmm. it, and the team and the team is behind him, it feels like so much more because the defense is playing harder. Lines blocking the best they ever blocked. You got tight ends blocking and catching the best they ever blocked. Receivers playing out their mind. So. So even if the quarterback isn't having a fantastic season, if the rest of the team is behind him, it just feels like so much is weighing on you. No, I I agree. That's a, that's a hell of a division they go into. Baltimore might be the best team in football right now. Uh, Mike Tomlin gives a lot of credit with the coaching job he's doing on the third string QB, and Cleveland might be a dumpster fire, but they're a talented dumpster fire. It's like when you burn Christmas trees at the end of the holiday season. It <laughs> might be a fire, but it looks real pretty. It's like throwing a lot of gold in the trash. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but anyway, I appreciate you for coming on today. Anytime. Uh, as I said, it's Tony. You can catch him on No Feelings Minis. You can catch him on Boxing with Will and Tony. And um, he's in charge of what our interview episode this morning. week. I'm not in charge of uh, Thaddeus. That is not true. No. <laughs> don't listen to that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. He does what he does. All right. All right. Then we'll catch you next time. Peace. This is Hard Foul. Appreciate you guys all for tuning in today. Um, hope you guys like the show. Uh, like I said, 2020 is going to be a big year. There's a lot of stuff um, going on next year. It's been a lot of just patience and some suffering due to things not falling into place the way exactly the way I wanted them to. But we're making it work. It's going to happen. Um, the end result is going to be a very beautiful process. That's, that's, that's the best thing I can say, guys. So... With that being said, let's go into, excuse me, um, five things that I learned this decade sports-wise. So each day I'm going to end today's, each episode this week, I'm going to end with something I learned this decade. And we got to start with, and this is one of the biggest things I had to learn going from teen, I started 2010, I was a sophomore in high school, I'm now ending 2020, or ending 2019, as um eight years out of school i'm 25 years old i'm an adult um i live with my girlfriend i'm i am i'm i would like to say more mature than i was when i was a sophomore in high school and this decade i've made mistakes i've learned a lot done a lot had a lot of fun learned a lot of things been great so i think i have a very good opinion on this because i used to be this kind of fan and i have now learned to Accept this kind of fan while at the same time be kind of cringy and worried about this fan. And that fan is the average fan. Um, number one thing I learned this decade, or number five thing that I learned this decade, these aren't in a particular order in terms of rank, but this is number five, we'll go backwards. Fans are stupid. Like, let's just get that out of the way. Fans are just stupid. 
Now, fan is short for fanatic, which is the number one thing you got to keep in context, that these people, um, they're not, they're, their heads aren't on correctly. My head wasn't on correctly. I remember when we talked about high school in 2011 when I was a junior, um, I will never forget the, the, the best, Denver won a Super Bowl this decade and it wasn't my favorite moment. My favorite moment as a fan was Tim Tebow to Demarius Thomas and just seeing DT run past Ike Taylor and just, I jumped up and screamed so loud. I remember my grandma was, oh my gosh, she was so mad. The neighbor heard everybody, everybody on my street could hear me. I was screaming, shouting like, yes, Denver's going to win all. And then we got smoked by the Patriots the next week. And I went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, even though I shouldn't have expected either. But I was a fan. I was a fanatic. I was crazy. I was 17 years old. Um, you think of fans at live sporting events. They're drinking beer. They're doing other stuff. Um, they get rowdy. They get into fights. They yell at each other. They, they will literally dislike another human being just for what the clothes they are wearing, being a team's opposite jersey. And some of them will truly... I might think, okay, you're wearing a Chargers jersey, all right, it might be FU, but it's only FU for that three hours once the game's over, hey, shake, high five, we good, we're all humans, let's go. Some people will actually hold grudges because you like a different team, and they will try to find you after the game depending on the score, or they will just yell profanities in your face. Fans are not logical, fans are not realistic. And as long as we keep that on the on the side of no one's getting hurt, it's fine. When we no longer keep that on the, th the side of getting hurt, then it's no longer fine. And as long as there's some reason and rationale to what's being done, it really shouldn't be a big deal, to be fair. Unfortunately... That's not the case, because rationale goes all out the fucking window. Excuse my language. Fans, though, probably climaxed in 2019. And I saw something that just made me go, oh, okay, there is officially no hope for fandoms. Now, before I get in, before I kill them, I do want to say there is really cool fan moments that happened this decade. Kobe's last game was a really cool fan moment. Those were fans of basketball. Never forget this. Fans of basketball came together to watch Kobe's last game, which was, the, I believe, the highest-rated sporting event that year in terms of TV, people in the stands, um, commercial viewers, all that, all that shit. I think it was, if it was, I genuinely think it was, like, second to the Super Bowl. Like, it was that big of an event. And that overshadowed the Warriors winning 73 games. <laughs> like that's amazing the Warriors were going to win the 73 games break Michael Jordan's Bulls record and really no one cared we all wanted to go see Kobe's last game that's a cool fan moment you get the legends retiring moments you get Brett Favre's final game you get Dirk's final game you get D. Wade's final game the tour, the legacy tour is Derek Jeter's um Legacy, Derek Jeter's tour, farewell tour, like, there's been a lot of really cool fan moments this decade, and I want to say, as a fan, shout out to the other fans who obsess over this sports shit and love it, and we all go crazy for it, Manning's last game, the Super Bowl run, like, 
those are the great moments of being fans. Now, where I'm going to kill you guys is they say for athletes, act like you've been there before. But I think to a degree, if you are a smart fan, I think you should act like you've been there before. In the last month, the New England Patriots, coming off the most dominant 20 years of football we will probably ever see, were booed. Patriots fans were booing the New England Patriots because of a, a game in December? When your team's already won 10 games? Excuse me? Denver fans didn't start... The year after the Super Bowl, Denver fans really didn't start booing until we were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. We were just like, hey, man, we won a Super Bowl. We're good. You know, it's like, it's it's Trevor Simeon. It's not the best team, but, like, you know, defense is still kind of there. Trevor's playing okay. Like, you know, well, it's, it's fine. We just won a Super Bowl. And we started booing until it got really bad. Y'all started booing as... Think about this. Think about this. Patriots fans booed a 10-win defending Super Bowl champion. You can have high standards. Some things are still unrealistic and stupid. And then there's Laker fans who are talking all the trash in the world, who are bragging about this, that, and the third. And, and wait a minute. This is your guys' first good team since 2011? And there's no guarantee what this team's going to do in the playoffs. They're just having a great regular season, which you've all said doesn't matter. So, the Laker fans are talking trash to have their first good team in a decade. And Patriot fans are booing a 10-win defending Super Bowl champion. It's okay if you're listening. It's not supposed to make sense because it, it it doesn't. Fans are stupid. I love fans. I also hate you guys. This is my love-hate relationship with it. And I'm a fan. I come on here and I give you two or three segments a week that clearly show my fandom, clearly show my bias. Dom and I just did a topic including his teams. Tony did one including his teams. I brought up his... He's a USC fan. Like... Most fans are just stupid. It's one of the five things I learned this decade. Sports fans are stupid. Don't be a stupid sports fan. An SSF. Don't be an SSF. With that being said, don't forget, however you listen to podcasts, um, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. Um, appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate you guys for being here. Appreciate you guys for being part of the ride. 2020, big things. No feelings, meetings this week. Hard foul radio, Monday through Friday. We will see you guys next time.